got next. This is Free Association with Donovan Bennett and J.D. Bunkus. What's up, everybody? This is Free Association on Sportsnet.ca. I'm J.D. Bunkus. He is Donovan Bennett. Still looking at his phone. Maybe he's still doing a little bit of prep. What do you got? What's on the cell phone right now? Something good? Nope, no. No? Nothing good? Nope. How's your World Cup going? The team I think is going to win is one. That would be Les Blue. France. You got France. I do, yeah. The team, which is the home nation of my mother, won. That would be the Three Lions. England. Okay. So I thought, wasn't sure. <laughs> Didn't have that locked in all the Who'd way. Who do you think the three lions were? Wasn't sure. I was scanning. I was scanning through it. I was like, who could the three lions be? I was like, yeah, I guess. Like, Why is England the three it's lions? Like, what, it's like, what African nation is three lions? Uh, yeah, it's true. Cameroon? <laughs> absolutely Senegal? true. I was trying to think of the African dudes that had already played. So my World Cup is going good. I've been betting the unders like crazy, and they've been hitting like all over the place. Oh, not uh, not when Portugal and Spain play. Yeah, not. that was the that was the one I missed. And you know what? You laughed in my face. You guys laughed at me for taking the unders in soccer, and then I went on to hit five straight unders. So uh, jokes on you. And now we got uh, a zero zero game that we're watching as we're recording it right now. So lots has happened since we last jumped on. Nick Nurse has been hired as the Raptors head coach. By the way, the zero zero game is in the eleventh minute. Yeah, like, and relax. And, and it's gonna stay. It's gonna stay that way. I think something is very interesting about the Nurse hire. We kicked around a lot the idea of well, what does this mean to the roster, and are we going to see the same composition, and what does this mean potentially for DeRozan because. On the one hand, this is a guy who excelled under Nurse's offense in the regular season, but traditionally his skill set maybe doesn't fit that. Now we have a report from Mark Stein as we're heading into the draft that the Toronto Raptors have everybody on the table and that they're looking to move into the lottery to potentially select Canadian guard Shea Gilgis-Alexander out of Kentucky. So... I guess, let me just start with, what are your thoughts of Gilgis Alexander to begin with? Do you think that he's actually someone worth trading into the lottery for? Because I've put a bunch of trade proposals together today. I, was, I spent a lot of time on the trade machine last night, and I've got four different deals that could get the Raptors into the lottery. And I guess what it'll start with is how valuable you think that pick is. Well, I mean, it depends what the pick is. Him, let's let's say, say it's Gilgis. But where? Sure, sure. I'm going to go through that. But I'm saying that you're going to be trading into to select this player. I like SGA. I think he was really good in the SEC tournament. I think, obviously, his NCAA tournament was very quick and not as good, which is why I think his stock is a little bit low. If the season ended 10 days earlier, I think we're talking about him being picked much higher. I like his trajectory and his work ethic. But I think my appraisal of him is in relation to this draft as a whole and a lot of guys who are going to go, let's say, in the top 15, 16. You could look at them and say, this person could be a future all-star or this person could be 11th or 12th man on a team. Mm -hmm. And we could say that about anyone from Mo Bamba down to Shea. Mm -hmm. And so when you're living in that world, I think, wow, well, then if you can get Shea at 10 or 11 and there's a chance that he may have a better career as a point guard than Trey Young, who may go as early as three, 
well, that's that's great value, and you have less pressure and expectations when you're picking him at ten or eleven. You don't think that there'd be a lot of pressure though if you're trading up into the draft and he is a Canadian player and he'd be coming to be a real focal point in Toronto. Because let's be honest here, like these trade proposals that I'm about to outline for you, they involve some pretty heavy pieces from the Toronto Raptors in order to move up in that spot. I'm saying less pressure relative than if he went two or three. Yeah. But he could end up being a better player than guys who go there is my point. But, but I don't know if that's like, that's what I'm saying though. I'm not sure if it's, there's more pressure being traded up and, and going to a place in Canada where you'd be immediately recognizable by a lot of people and you'd be the face of kind of the new Toronto Raptors or going to Atlanta and, and being the third pick and kind of just being an anonymity for the first couple of years where it's like really trash. Well, it's the Raptors a couple of years ago were trying to trade in around that area, a little bit lower, but in around that area to get Ennis. Yeah. Didn't happen. Uh, do you, do we think that there would have been more pressure on Ennis if they would have traded to get him than there was on Jonas Valanciunas or that I mean, was a little uh, different, Bargnani though. was number one, but you, you understand what I'm yeah, saying. Yeah, but that was a little different because they were trying to trade up like a couple of picks. Like they were trying to move up in the draft lottery. This is trying to trade in. Like you don't even have a pick that you're working with in this year's draft. If we're assuming that they're trying to get in the lottery, I'll go over the pieces later, but they include your best players and some of your best prospects and potentially future first round picks. Like it's a pretty significant maneuver to do this. Like well, it's it's not a minor upgrade. True, but your best players and this is a separate conversation on how much you care about these rumors or how much credence you see in them. Your best players are on the block anyways. Yeah. Like it's irrespective true. of whether you're trading into this draft or you're you're trading for future picks or you're trading for players right now. Those guys, you're entertaining conversations about them anyways based on the way the season finished and based on who your new coach is. So, again, it's not like you're totally doing something that that you wouldn't be doing anyways. But No, it's it's a good point. I'd say this about SGA. I like him too. Like, I, I think that he's a perfectly fine prospect. He's really long. He's six foot six. He can handle the basketball pretty well. You're right. He did show out incredibly well for Kentucky for long stretches basically the second half of their season this year he was their best player ahead of Kevin Knox and it's a Kentucky team right loaded with talent I don't really understand the fit for Toronto because okay yes he's young if it's about resetting the timeline and you really are just looking to get out from a contract like DeMar DeRozan or a younger player like DeLon Wright then okay but To me, SGA is kind of like where DeLon Wright used to be, like a good ball handler, someone that has a good feel for the pick and roll, a good passer, not overly explosive, long wingspan, and not a jump shot that you can really rely upon right now. Like Raptors right now have three point guards and Kyle Lowry's not going to be here forever. And I look at the next guys and say, okay, maybe Fred Van Vliet isn't the future. Maybe he's not an all-star caliber point guard in a league full of point guard depth. I just don't see what it is about SGA right now, other than like he develops a jump shot out of nowhere that would lead you to believe that he can be one of the best guards in the NBA. And I think that if you're going to make a drastic move like that, if you're going to trade into the lottery like that, there's some other guys that I'd be a little bit more interested in. Again, it's, it's all about where you pick. If you trade into the 13 or the 14 slot, somehow you go make a deal with Masai's old team in Denver and you take Gilgis Alexander at 14, it's like, okay, cool, I can I can be talked into that. But I'd like to see what the other surrounding pieces are because he's a nice prospect, but like you just said, it's it seems like a very uncertain class. And there are quite a few guys I view ahead of him. And there's at least, I think, seven guys that it's it's really hard for me to make a case that 
that you shouldn't take those seven guys ahead of Gilgis Alexander. So I disagree on the issues with his shot. He shot 40.5% from three, 48% yeah, what's from that the on, floor. What's that attempts per game? Because again, like when you're talking about college threes, it's a, it's a shorter three-point line. And we're talking about a guy who probably his volume is one where it gets wildly affected by what, like he's, he's a fine shooter, but he's definitely not a lights out shooter. It's, he's just not. He's 19 years old. Yep, and I know. And so when you're comparing him to DeLon Wright, yeah, I think there's comparisons. Mm-hmm. DeLon Wright is seven years older than he is. Mm-hmm. So look at the trajectory. And I don't, I'm I, saying, I, I don't if think... you're resetting the timeline, fine. If you're deciding that this is essentially going to be a rebuild, I'm okay with it. But it's hard for me to understand how the Raptors are not going to take a significant step back in acquiring him. To be as good as they were last year, they need to resign Fred Van Vliet, which mm-hmm. is priority. And so basically, in a world with a cap, would you rather have Shea on a rookie late lottery deal moving forward and Fred Van Vliet, or would you rather have the next two years of Kyle Lowry? And I think when you look at it that way, take the fact that you've seen them all play and that Kyle Lowry has been the MVP for this team for multiple years. If you were doing a deal straight up, Kyle Lowry versus Van Vliet and whatever his contract's going to be, and Ooh. Shea on a on a on a rookie deal for the next couple of years. Do you do that deal? Yeah, I think you do, of course. And so I think that's the conversation of yeah, maybe you're taking a step back, but holistically, when you're looking at this team moving forward, that makes sense in concert. Same. When I went through the trade proposals, I found it really hard to move Kyle Lowry to a non to one of these lottery teams where you could get Gilgis Alexander. In fact, I only have one of them. So before I get into those. What do you value a Canadian at? Is there an added value to you because Gilgis Alexander is Canadian born? Because to me, I think that it's one of those things where if both players are equal, it's like fit, right? Like I don't like draft for fit. I like drafting best player available. But if you got two guys that you think are equal, then lean towards the guy who fits your organization a little better. And I, and I kind of feel that way with Canadians. I, I understand the branding opportunity because you've gone to Raptors games with maybe family members or friends that aren't big basketball fans when Corey Joseph was here. And, and what did you say, right? Whenever he checked into a game, that guy's from here. That mm-hmm. guy's Canadian. And mm-hmm. people cared, and they were more interested in him. And if you look around the ACC during a Raptors game, Corey Joseph still stands out as one of the most popular jerseys that's there. That Drake 6 Corey Joseph jersey is like a fan staple in the city. So... I understand it from a business standpoint, but to me, it's kind of a thing that has been Masai Ujiri's MO for a while now where they wanted to tank to get into Andrew Wiggins. And of course it led to the, we, the North era. You mentioned the Tyler Ennis trade where they were very interested in moving up and trying to acquire Tyler Ennis. And now this is a third guy where it's a Canadian and it kind of makes me wonder why this is such a big priority for the Toronto Raptors. Is it more to do with grassroots? Like, I don't understand Masai Ujiri's dedication to Canadian basketball players playing in Toronto for actual tangible basketball reasons. I mean, we also have to keep in perspective the guys who were Canadian who they had no interest in. Anthony Bennett wasn't even on their board. And, sure, but and, they, and they, but they, did, they it, did sign him later down the line when he had run out of avenues and true. decided to take a flyer on him. And they did cut him. So no, I mean, well, they cut him because he was so so bad. Like, there well, was no well, justifying. He, he had two other NBA stops afterwards. Yeah. Like, and he was New Jersey, and what was the other one? Brooklyn, was, uh, Phoenix. Oh my God, I do not remember oh, him. In it Phoenix. wasn't. It wasn't long. <laughs> Anyways, to answer your question, 
Ty goes to the runner, right? Mm-hmm. So, so Ty goes to the Canadian. In some cases, if I feel like the makeup of the player, and really in, in this case, the makeup of the people around the player, someone who can handle being in Canada would embrace it, then I think, yeah, sure, you get a couple points of credit. On the flip side, if I think it's someone who can't handle it, if their circle would not deal with it well, if it would be a distraction, you get a couple demerit points. You get a couple points off. So I, I think it's it's solely based on the player because we have this conversation all the time about hockey players, about guys who have no interest in playing in this market whatsoever. And there's been a few who've said, yeah, I want to be the guy who brings a cup back here. You know, I'll be worth my weight in gold on a much lesser scale. But you can look at it in the same way here with Canadian basketball that I think some guys would relish that opportunity to be here because they know what it would mean for them off the court. And I think some guys would be distracted because there would be so much for them to do off the court. I don't know enough about Gilgis Alexander personally to judge whether or not he's that guy. But from observing his game, I would say that he is a little bit more of the passive type. He's not like his predecessor at Kentucky and De'Aaron Fox, where he wears his emotions on his sleeve and he's going 100 miles an hour all the time. In fact, like Gilgis Alexander is one of those interesting players, and I comped him to DeLon Wright a little bit because he does have that herky-jerky style, right? He doesn't. He kind of wears the, the a similar face throughout most of the game. He shows emotion, I would say, a little bit more than... Uh, a guy like OG Ananobi, who's like the bottom of the barrel when it comes to showing emotion. But I don't know about that with Gilgis Alexander. It's, it's a tough one to quantify. The other thing that I find strange if they are super interested in him as a player is, doesn't he seem like a Casey guy? It is funny that like the Kentucky guy is gone and then, yeah, hey, come but, on. But he Wildcats. checks all of the boxes. It's like he's he's going to be a good defender. Like that's the one thing we know about Gilgis Alexander. He's six foot six and he's got a seven foot wingspan. He's got really quick feet and he locked up guys all through his university career. Like we know he's going to be able to defend out in the perimeter. He's from Kentucky. He's got apparently a great attitude. He can't really shoot. And they're working on ways that, you know, his game is more of an old school type where he likes to shoot a little bit from mid range and, and get to the basket and playing in the pick and roll. If you thought, okay, who's Nurse's Kentucky guy? I would say it would be a guy like Knox or Gabriel, where you're stretching the floor a little bit more. You're getting someone who's more of a shooter. Because, again, this fits with more of the old Raptors, which is why I kind of feel like this is a smokescreen. I feel like if the Raptors are trying to convince somebody that they're going to trade into the lottery that I don't know what it is, but it just there's so many pieces here that don't make sense. You don't need another guard the Canadian thing has been something you've been linked to in the past, but I don't think it makes a ton of sense for your roster as it's currently compromised. And it's a Casey pick. It's not, to me, a, a nurse pick. I'd be very surprised by it. I don't know if it's a smoke screen because... What are you smoking? What are you yeah. smoking? You're not in the draft. Hey, we want to get in. Good for mm-hmm. you. You're not in. So, like, what? what that's not changing other teams' perceptions of you. If you called, they were going to pick up the phone anyways. I think what often happens around You don't think time, it could be another team that's leaking that out to Mark Stein? Why the Raptors specifically? Because of the things I mentioned, that they've been linked to Canadian players in the past and that they'd be... Another team is linking that the Raptors specifically are interested I don't in know. him. And I never would have thought that... That, uh, what, that, and, and, that and helps his stock GM. or hurts his stock? I, I don't, don't know. I don't know why another team is motivated. I think oftentimes we attribute all of the rumors at this time of the year to the teams. And I think actually in, in being you know at 
at the draft and watching the dynamics on the floor, actually a lot of it comes from the agent. I was just going to say, though, that wouldn't the, that help? Like the agent the, saying, hey, listen, you yes. better pounce on this guy early. The agents are motivated because they're trying to drum up a market for their player. Mm-hmm. They're trying to drum up conversation about their player. We're talking about him today, and if that story didn't come out, we wouldn't be talking about him. And it forces us to talk about him and forces executives to think about him. And teams are going to be like, hey, well, if they're getting in on him, if they're interested, should we take a look at the tape again? Where is he on our board? Should he be higher? Let's just do some more due diligence. And so I think that's where a lot of it comes from. And a lot of the scouting, we think of the basketball ops departments and the the front offices, the agents are doing a lot of scouting their players, but also counter-scouting the other guys in the draft because Masai has had some good picks. He's had some terrible picks. Mm-hmm. After three to five years, you can get out from under a bad pick. If you're an agent, you're stuck with that guy. I mean, I guess you could just cut ties with him. That's not a good look on you. And you're spending all of this money to prop them up if it doesn't work out. So I think the agents are the most motivated people at this time of year. And when I heard that, I was like, okay, cool. Let's think of the information that we know. The Raptors are interested in trading pretty much anyone. Thanks. We knew that. The Raptors want to get in on in the draft. Okay, thanks. Yeah. And they'd be interested in the highest rated Canadian. Okay, great. Like, there was no no information. I was like, Mm -hmm. wow, I never saw that coming. So that's why I suspect, especially because nothing, nothing, nothing gets out of, I mean, thus far, nothing gets out of Toronto's front office, along with the Spurs and Boston. And how much longer are we putting the Spurs in that category? Nothing gets out. It didn't get out from the Spurs. It got out from the player. He said, I don't want... It's part of it, His his uncle said. I know. I mean, they can't really control that. But yeah, to me, the motivation seemed odd. The timing seemed odd. They could be interested in him. I'm sure a lot of teams are interested in him. And I'm sure they're interested in getting into the top 10. A lot of teams are interested in getting in the top 10. So that's why uh, I'm a little bit suspect. Yeah, I think that... I want to believe this more. This is a situation where I'm conducive to believing it because... But I thought you were Mr. Don't draft a Canadian because he's Canadian. No, well, I'm not... That's the thing. I'm hoping that the Raptors trade into lottery. I'm just hoping that the pick might not be Gilgis Alexander, unless it's a little bit later. But even then, I'm, I'm curious about it. So let's go through some of these. Because... I am more of the mindset where I'm okay with a shakeup. I understand the logic of bringing back this team and saying like LeBron James is probably going to leave and, and you run it back one more time. Like to me, that's okay. Like I'm fine with either outcome, but I like to be entertained and I, and I like new things and, and I like to discuss new things. And it's difficult for me to think forward as to how I'm going to sit through the entire Raptors regular season next year. If they just run back essentially the, the same group. So that's why I wouldn't mind a shakeup, the right shakeup. So I've got five trades And I want you to tell me who says no, because I put a couple of these together with the mind. Like I'm, I'm a little bit more biased probably towards some of these Toronto pieces and all of these things work for salary matching purposes. Every one of these deals actually works. I had to spend a little bit of time. Do you want me to start with at the very top of how you get the Raptors get higher in the draft or work my way up from the back end? Uh, Let's go back. end. Okay. So the Raptors, trade up to get the 12 pick from the Los Angeles Clippers. They acquire Tobias Harris, Boban, and the 12 pick for DeMar DeRozan. And potentially you throw in a DeLon Wright to sweeten the deal for them if they they really needed to go in. I was with you until you said DeLon Wright. 
But now, think about it, though. You've got Gilgis Alexander, who you're picking in that 12 pick. You've got DeLon, you've got Fred, you've got Kyle. And again, Gilgis Alexander is not a guy who plays off the ball. I can see you basically converting Lowry into a two a little bit more, but still that that asks you, like, you've got a lot of point guards. Like, yeah, DeLon that becomes doesn't expendable. Mean I, I can't trade them. I just don't want to necessarily trade them to you, Los Angeles Clippers. Like, I just think the value is not... Equal. So you think DeMar DeRozan is worth Tobias Harris and the 12 pick alone? Like, who says no to that if DeLon's not in the deal? Well, I mean, don't forget my guy Boban. Well, yeah, Boban's there. He's I there, to, he's the there to make content. the salaries work. Raptors.com his lots $7 million. Dollars. Yeah. Um, he becomes your new Lucas Nogueira. Do, do I think DeMar DeRozan is, is worth that? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I certainly wouldn't put DeLon right in the deal. You, you put DeLon right in that deal, and three years from now, they could have the two best players in the deal. I've thrown DeLon Wright in a lot of these deals. Okay, just well, so you may be taking him out. And I love DeLon Wright. <laughs> here's, here's, here's my thing. I'll, say, I'll preface this as to why there's no Fred Van Vliet. First of all, Fred's not under contract. Second of all, it's very strange for me because I love DeLon Wright's game. Like, personally, he is the most entertaining Raptor to me to watch play basketball. Like, I just love the things DeLon Wright does. I'm, I'm enamored by him. But it's pretty clear that Fred Van Vliet, there's something there that you can't measure with the tape. And I don't generally like to be that guy, but the Raptors do play with a different confidence. You saw that in the Wizards series, how discombobulated Benchmob looked. You saw how some of their late lineups didn't have the same effectiveness. He carries himself in a way. He shoots the basketball. He plays good enough defense. I think he might age terribly. Like he just might be one of those guys where, you know, he hits 30 or 29 years old and he just completely, he can't even play in the league anymore. But as of right now, I just, I don't see how this Raptors group can trade Fred Van Vliet. Like, I, I think he's an integral piece moving forward. I would put him and OG Ananobi as my two most important pieces uh, moving forward as of right now that I would like to see the Raptors keep if I'm tr- still trying to build culture and youth and, and the next team. You don't see how they can trade Fred Van Vliet? Is what you're saying? Or how they can trade DeLon Wright? No, I'm saying if I'm the Raptors, I'm not putting Fred Van Vliet in trades. I'm not signing trading him or you can't do it anyways. He's too complicated. But I'm saying that I'm moving off of DeLon Wright fairly comfortably because I feel as though we're going to be okay in the hands of Fred Van Vliet. And we're getting Gilgis Alexander here and he has to be a point guard. Like he has to handle the basketball. So I'm just looking at it and saying, who's going to be out? And I, I look at DeLon Wright and think that out of all these moves, he becomes the expendable pot sweetener that you have, the extra point guard. That's 26 and still makes cheap money, but still might have room to grow. DeLon Wright is closer in age to Kyle Lowry than he is, say, Gilgis Alexander. And so yeah. he, even if he is rapidly improving, how long is that going to be the case? And how long is his... Shelf life going to be at his peak. He, he's to me someone who could be really good and then kind of fall off a cliff, a la Dwayne Wade, who hasn't totally fallen off that cliff. But you you understand where all yeah. of a sudden the wheels certainly come off. If Gilgis Alexander is there at twelve, or let's say even thirteen, because this could be that same pick. They have back to back picks, right? They still get to take their guy. If that happens at thirteen, I think both teams would say yes to that. DeRozan, DeLon for Tobias Harris, Boban, and the 12-13 pick, which becomes Gilgis Alexander. See, I'm not putting DeLon in there. DeMar DeRozan, third team, All-NBA. He's giving you 25 points a night. Yep. He's an All-Star. Second team this year, All-NBA. Oh, second team. Thank you. He's 13 yeah, 13 the year, the year before. before. Which is um, surprising because when he made a third team, I was like, yeah, that's the highest he'll ever get. <laughs> yeah. The playoffs, listen, 
Not a great look, but he is still a bona fide scorer. <laughs> like a, in the you NBA. were basically his agent. They're like, listen, second team all NBA. He's twenty eight points. I just play awesome. That's a little blip. This is a little blip. Just five years of blips. He is someone who'll get your team to the playoffs. Okay, so which which the Clippers can't say about anyone else on the roster right now. So here's the so thing. No, I'm though. not giving you. I, I think that. The, my argument against trading for DeMar DeRozan, why I just don't believe he's going to be that big of an asset, is that you've already seen what a team looks like with him as a 1A, 1B best player, and it just it doesn't work. And that his game, but that's assuming, it might improve. That's assuming the Clippers would be done. Even still, are the Clippers going to be able to acquire a player? Like, if they get a Kawhi Leonard, like, I don't. how do those two guys fit together? I'm not sure. Hey, you score? Hey, you play defense. Okay. Um, but I, I also look at it and say, Kyle Lowry during his prime here in Toronto, and I know he was injured for some of them, but I, it's hard for me to envision the Clippers pulling in a, a player that's as good as Kyle Lowry has been over the last few seasons with DeMar DeRozan and, and what we've seen with those results. And the other part of it is what we just discussed with Canada. Is like, do you think people in LA care that DeRozan's from Compton that much? Like, is it really that big of a deal? I'm not sure. I think they just want to win basketball games. Well, but I think people in LA don't care about the Clippers whatsoever. Yeah. So any uptick would be positive. And yeah, you find it hard pressed to see them get another all-star that's better than Lowry. Sure. I find it hard-pressed to see them get two all-stars to begin with. In an era where you need to stack all-stars, yeah. at least you'd have one, and then you only have one or one and a half other all-star slots you have to fill. Yeah. And so this is going to be a game of musical chairs this summer. And there's only so many all-stars to go around. There's only so many teams with cap space to go around. And if you're on the outside looking in, you're kind of screwed. So if they secure DeMar, maybe that opens conversations for them to talk to Paul George if he doesn't get the other spot beside LeBron in L.A. Or talk to Kawhi if he doesn't get the situation that's ideal to him. Is it a perfect fit? No. The Rockets with Chris Paul and Harden aren't a perfect fit. I'm no. not comparing DeMar to those guys. But I think in this era, you just try and get as many All-Stars as you can and then just figure it out. Okay, so if I'm Masai Ujiri, I'm saying well, yes to that deal without DeLon Wright. And if you're the L.A. Clippers, you're saying yes to the deal without DeLon Wright, too, for DeMar DeRozan. So that's a, a good match. The next one, Charlotte Hornets pick up the phone. Michael Jordan is on the line. He wants to shed the Nick Batum contract. You also would like to shed a bad contract, but one of yours has one less year. You also want some security for... You think that maybe DeMar DeRozan is better than Kemba Walker, and you think that you can already have him under contract, whereas you might have to give Kemba a max deal in order for, to get him to stay. So what you do is you call the Toronto Raptors and you offer them Nick Batum, who makes $22 million for the next three years. But you get to give them back the Serge Ibaka deal, so getting out for the next two. So you absorb the extra $22 million over another year. You give up DeMar DeRozan, you get back Nick Batum, Kemba Walker, and the 11th pick in the draft. Who says no? I mean, I, I don't know if Charlotte says no, but the Raptors certainly don't. Done. So I actually love this deal because you get one year of Kemba Walker next to Kyle Lowry, right? You don't, you're not going to have a huge drop off in, in scoring. I, I, like you can have another guy who's a volume shooter and who can actually hit you a three point shot and who has a history of winning and being a little bit more clutch. You're going to get to see Kemba Walker in the postseason. Nick Batum, if he stays healthy, I think can be more valuable to you than Serge Ibaka, but his contract is completely obscene. Like it's $22 million a year for three more years. And this guy is a freaking bandaid. He wanted to be in Toronto in the first place. It might just be a good place for him and his family. He might settle into the community. Nice. And you get the 11th pick, which you use on Gilgis Alexander, who, when 
Probably Kemba Walker just leaves. You let him walk outright. That's the big penalty you pay here because you're not going to lock him into a max contract unless you make it to an NBA Finals with this group. That you have your guy behind you in Shea Gilgis-Alexander already waiting in the wings. He gets a little bit more time to develop between behind all your other guards. Yeah, I mean, in that scenario, I don't know if you're taking Shea. I think you're taking whoever the best player on the board is at that time. I don't think you need the redundancy of another point guard but whoever the selection is aside I would make that deal I would make that deal if I was the Raptors too I think that the Hornets say no I think that as much as they hate that they have the Batum contract on the books that they would be able to recognize that you know they're what are they now they're DeMar DeRozan's team with like who's he playing with now in in Charlotte like Malik Monk that's your future I I think that the Hornets need to get younger so they probably say no to this I just also don't know how Ibaka fits with the the Hornets current front line he doesn't that's the thing you're just swapping bad contracts this was a this trade out of any of the trades I made was the most like hey Raptors I need to get out of the Serge Ibaka contract here so next one the Cleveland Cavaliers they know they need pieces to appease LeBron James they know that their only chance at being relevant ever again is if LeBron James signs his supermax and remains a Cleveland Cavalier for the rest of his career they know that they can't return with this much money on the books and that they need a veteran player. And where did they really struggle last year? They struggled with a reliable three-point shooter and a veteran at the point guard position. They were running George Hill out there. And George Hill is a perfectly fine player, but I don't think that you want him being the, the second best guy next to LeBron James. So Cleveland calls, Kobe Altman calls and says, we'd like to offer you the eighth overall pick. You've got to take the Tristan Thompson contract and the Jordan Clarkson contract, but we'll take Kyle Lowry off your hands. Who says no? Eight's not high enough. It's yeah, it's not high enough. Eight's not high enough. You're trading. Call, you're call, also you gotta me, factor in. Call me when you're on the clock. You Let also me see got, who's still on the board. I'm not doing that. To, I'm not doing that today. <laughs> okay, Michael you, Porter Jr. is on the board. Maybe. Really? So, okay. You know what? I want to talk to you after this. All these proposals about who you like in this draft and who you'd love to see. But Listen, I don't like his back. I yeah. like his upside. Uh, so Tristan Thompson for the next two seasons makes sixteen and a half million dollars, and Jordan Clarkson over the next two seasons makes almost twelve. You're still getting a little bit of wiggle room because Kyle Lowry is making more than those two guys combined, but. You're giving one of your franchise's most iconic players up to a bitter, bitter rival who helps them retain LeBron James and keeps you in the well, basement. He maybe helps them. He maybe does, but that's the thing. If you if, if if LeBron still leaves, then they've got Kyle Lowry and Kevin Love. So so that's just it to me. Is that this trade to me? I can't say yes if I'm a side because if it is the reason LeBron stays, it's a PR nightmare. And that eighth pick, you want to talk about pressure for a guy? You're now the guy that has to make up for eating all this bad money for the next two seasons. Jordan Clarkson, like, never plays. Like, I don't know what they do with him, but they just buy him out. Tristan Thompson becomes this, like, what? You're kind of a weird guy with the Kardashians and, like, we, you're in Toronto and talk about a guy who's going to get into trouble up here. Plus, there's no need for you. Like, you can't play. You, JV's ahead of you on the depth chart, and so is Jakob Pertl. So, neither of these two guys <laughs> seem to be playing. I'm not sure the Raptors say yes to this one. I think Cleveland would consider it, though. Like, I really do. If you were that desperate to get to the eighth pick, that would make sense to me as, a, like, a decent pitch for LeBron. Is like, hey, we're trying to do things here. I, we're, think, I think Cleveland would definitely consider it because I, there's no guarantee that that eighth pick is going to be 
all that good and you get well, an all-star. Well, the eighth pick is not convincing LeBron James to stay, right? Like, what's no. the best case scenario? Trey Young, you think that's convincing him? Uh, Bridges, Mikel Bridges, you think that's convincing LeBron James to stay? Like, none of the, none of those options are. He doesn't want to play with the young guys. Bridges may end up being much better than Trey Young, but to your point, Bridges is not a sexy pick. And I don't know if Trey Young is going to get to eight. I don't know either. I'm just I'm just putting it out there that if the Cavs need want LeBron James to stay, this helps them in a couple of ways. One, they dump out of some bad contracts for some players that they don't want to play. Like LeBron leaves, Tristan Thompson and Jordan Clarkson have zero value to them. They have negative value to them. But you've got to find ways to to get some pieces around LeBron. And then I wonder. Here's here's what I'm thinking though. I wonder if you're able to move out of those contracts, bring in Kyle Lowry, and then flip Kevin Love for something else, something a little bit more intriguing. See what you can do there and, and try to revamp your team for, for one King James. Yeah, I, I think to me that's a deal that you have to be on the clock, and I know there's a player there that I really like. And I, I and to be honest, I probably need a future pick. I probably need to, you think you're really going to revitalize your, your team, so you're going to say, hey, I have no use for these picks anyways. I think your team's probably going to go in the tank, so I want to. I want that future pick. Yeah, I don't think they're doing that before. I don't think as long as LeBron James is not yet signed as a Cleveland Cavalier, I don't think that they're doing any types of future stuff. Okay, now we're getting into the to the high part of the draft where it's tough to imagine the Raptors taking a Gilgis Alexander this high, but let's just say for the fun of it, they're going to do these deals. And I'm going to throw in two bonus ones actually for you that don't include the draft. The Toronto Raptors send DeMar DeRozan and DeLon Wright to the Memphis Grizzlies for the Chandler Parsons contract, Dylan Brooks, and the fourth overall pick. Who says no? I mean, I stopped listening when you said Chandler Parsons contract. Why? You need to take a bad contract back. Like, that's that how bad. this is going to work. Like, you I mean, need I'd, to take something yeah, back. Like, Chandler Parsons, two I'd, more years at $23 million. I'd like to have that contract be someone who at least could play. Like, Batum, if he was healthy could at least play i don't want any part of chandler parsons playing say the deal again you give up demar Derozan and delon wright demar Derozan, who again is making 27 million dollars over the next three years chandler parson is making 23 million over the next two years you give up demar Derozan, delon wright you acquire the chandler parsons contract dylan brooks and the fourth overall pick yeah no there's no way I think that's the best deal for the Raptors that could possibly be out there. I'm, I'm, if I'm Masai Ujiri and that gets offered to me, I, I'm, get, I'm clicking my heels up and down the hallway. This is the thing with this draft. I'm not certain the pick at four is going to be a better player than the pick that you would have got with the Clippers. Yep. So why am I giving you DeLon Wright to get someone who's might be the exact same? Mm. And taking back Chandler Parsons and Dylan Brooks is is nice, but he's he's not as good as Tobias Harris. Mm-hmm. So no, I'm not no, I'm not doing that deal. So here's my counter to that. One is that you don't need Chandler Parsons to play. Like you really don't. Because you've got OG Ananobi who's gonna need his minutes. You've still got CJ Miles. You're going to acquire someone with the four pick that is not going to be a center. I don't think anyways. I don't think that you're going to be in on Mo Bamba or doing something drastic like that. I think what you're doing is taking a big-time flyer on a Michael Porter Jr. or you're deciding, like, hey, maybe Trey Young is is the guy for you. Like, that you're doing something to vamp up your your backcourt or slash wing. And I agree with you. Like, I don't know if there's a, a, a guy for certain that I'd love. The guy I love the most in this entire draft, like, that I'm most interested in is Mo Bamba, but mm-hmm. I don't like him for the Toronto Raptors. But... Who cares? You take on that Chandler Parsons money. You're doing something smart. You you lose DeMar DeRozan. It, all of a sudden, you can convince Memphis on being Mike Connolly, DeMar DeRozan, Marcus Saul, 
Tyreek Evans, if they re-sign him to still come in off their bench, with DeLon Wright off the bench and, and some guys like Jermichael Green. I think that they have to consider that. And I think that this is, this is a win-win for all teams. Because again, Toronto ends up saving money on this deal by moving off of DeRozan. And they reset the timeline a little bit. You reset the timeline. You get younger pieces to go around OG and Nobi and Fred Van Vliet. You get maybe two guys that you view in your future core with bench mob minus DeLon plus now Dylan Brooks and your pick. I love that move for Toronto. I'd love to see them do it. Problem is, I think, again, that the Grizzlies might not want to part ways with the one pick that they've they've landed over the last couple of years that's been successful in Dylan Brooks. And I think that they would maybe haggle over that. But that trade to me makes sense for both teams. Again, the Grizzlies... I don't think they have their pick next year. They'd have to think about that. I, I think they would really have to think long and hard about what that would do for their, their franchise. Good trade for both teams. Who are you taking out for in that scenario? Who are you taking out for? If I'm the Raptors, who I'm taking out for, I'm taking the flyer on Michael Porter Jr. I'm going to do it. If the medical records check out, if our doctors say that we think he's okay, this is a guy who's got big-time range, great size, he has an element that the Toronto Raptors doesn't have. He's cocky. He plays with real confidence. Did you hear him on ESPN radio yesterday saying that he's going to be the best player in the draft? Like, I know some of that is just overly boisterous, and I'm a, a bit of a sucker for it. But if I'm looking at my lineup all of a sudden and thinking, oh, boy, I could put him as, like, my small ball four and have him start. Maybe some have some lineups, some small ball lineups, where it's like Pascal Siakam, Michael Porter, OG Ananobi, Fred Van Vliet, I'm starting to like that team. Kyle Lowry, Lowry leading the youth movement. I kind of like that move, man. He's been unable to play basketball consistently for over a year. He yeah. couldn't get through no, dude, an NCAA I'm not saying season. that this comes without any risk. He's at his youngest, so he's, he should be in his physical prime. Oh, and the issue is, man, is it like an ankle or a knee, a shoulder issue? Or he could, this know, guy was the number one player his, coming out of high his school. His back. Yep, his back. Number one player coming out of high school. Sometimes I think that for a franchise, like we've seen Masai Ujiri take big swings like the Bruno Caboclo pick. I think that this would be a similar swing. Again, the medical records have to check out for them where they feel confident enough. But that to me would be the he's the highest upside pick at that spot that would make the most sense for the Raptors. Unless they decided that they were going to go with Mo Bamba and and try to get move, make another deal, subsequent deal, get rid of Jonas Valanciunas somehow. You know who I would be in on if he's... Bagley? No, well, I mean, yes, but no, that's not who I was referring to. Your boy, LD. Luca. If he's at four. Oh, God. That, if he's at four, Memphis isn't trading that pick for DeMar DeRozan. Well, I mean, you say if. There's a lot, yeah. there's a lot of people who think he's going to be there at four. Really? I haven't yes. seen anybody that thinks that. I can't see him. I, I think, did you see the ringer report with the hang 10 emoji? No. So, Luka Doncic met with Vivek Renadidev. For dinner and Vivek is doing the hang 10 symbol for those that don't know it just off by hand it's where you stick your pinky finger out and it's the rock on thing mm-hmm. right pinky finger and thumb out and Luka Doncic since that meeting has stapled the hang 10 emoji to all of his Instagram posts going to Sacramento yeah the the belief is that the the ringer is linking together that he wasn't really using this before and that he's using this emoji because it means that the the Kings gave him a silent promise yeah but I mean there's also rumors that oddly enough Vladdy wasn't high on him so Mm -hmm. who knows so uh next one this is the last of the trades for into the draft the Raptors trade DeMar DeRozan for Wesley Matthews and Dallas's number five pick no I think both teams say no I think the Raptors would be more inclined to say yes, but I don't see how Wesley Matthews helps you. And 
the five pick well, and, again. I don't you, think Mark Cuban says no. I think, think he so? tries to do it, and then Rick Carlisle hears about it, and he says no. And so who wins that battle? Mark Cuban loves stars. He, lo- he, he loves stars. So I could see him He likes needle-moving stars, though, and I don't know if DeMar's that. But all of a sudden, your team's a little uh, bit more interesting. Is with DeAndre Jordan a needle-moving star? But you got Dennis Smith Jr., DeMar DeRozan backcourt. You've got Harrison Barnes at your three. The aging Dirk, you're going to try to give him one more chance at making the playoffs. It's only eh, score. It's something. Uh, here's my two bonus ones, and here's the thing. What are two bonus? So you have seven. You don't have five. Yeah, but these are these don't include the draft. So we so out of those five draft picks, Donovan Bennett, if he is Masai Ujiri, gets into the draft how many times? He gets in on the Charlotte Hornets deal, which is DeMar DeRozan, Serge Ibaka for Nick Batum, Kemba Walker, and the 11th pick. And again, if you're the Raptors, you might throw a little sweetener in there, the DeLon Wright sweetener that no, we discussed. No. Not you're, Donovan Bennett's in the room. You're not. You do you do the DeMar DeRozan for Tobias Harris, Boban, and the 12th pick. You don't no do Delon in that either. You don't do Kyle Lowry for Tristan Thompson. I don't know where you're gonna how you're gonna dole out your minutes in this future scenario with all your point guards, but well, again, you're not willing to give up anybody. You're, 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 that doesn't mean you're not allowed to trade them afterwards. I'm just yeah. not including them in these deals. Kyle Lowry for Tristan Thompson, Jordan Clarkson in the eight pick. You said no. Correct. Uh, Demar Derozan and Delon Wright for Chandler Parsons, Dylan Brooks in the four pick. You said no. I, I said, said hell yes. Hell no. Is what I said. I said absolutely yes. It's the best deal the Raptors could make. DeMar DeRozan for Wesley Matthews in the Dallas Five pick. I, I would honestly, I would say yes to all five of these deals. Well, you strong made them, so of course Yeah, you I would. I'd say, I know, exactly. It's, I really recommend. So here's my two bonus ones that don't include the draft, but hey, would you do them on the draft floor? DeMar DeRozan and DeLon Wright for C.J. McCollum. Straight up. No. C.J. McCollum better than DeMar DeRozan? He fits more with what Nick Nurse likes to do. Which is what, not defend? Because both guys yep, score don't and don't defend. So, I mean, both need a fresh start. You flip them. I, I mean, he's but the, DeRozan it, makes more money. It would be more fun on Twitter, but I don't even know if I'd do that straight up. Never mind. And oh, I'd definitely right. do it straight up. I don't know about that, man. Uh, uh, if you said Damian Lillard, sure. But yeah, I think CJ it's McCollum? Cost you more than that. Nah, I don't know. All right. Next one is DeMar DeRozan for Andrew Wiggins. <sighs> The case here for trading for Andrew Wiggins is, yes, he's been disappointing. Yes, Jimmy Butler has called him out. He hasn't gotten along with just about anyone at his stop with the Timberwolves. He's wildly underperformed. He has not been a good shooter. He has not been a good defender. But you put him with the Raptors culture. You put him with these young guys in bench mob, and you take a shot at a guy who still has a lot of talent and upside, and you hope that he becomes the new DeMar DeRozan in the sense that he adds a piece to his game every year. Can you give me, like, a future pick or something? Can't you do can, it. You can protect it. We can't do it. You, you got to give me something else. We're not, we're not I, giving I, you I, I can't. I just can't do that straight yeah. up. You <laughs> just can't. What does that say about it's, Andrew Wiggins? Could you imagine no, that? What, what do you mean? It says that you, you, he wouldn't be traded for a guy who's second-team All-NBA. That's what it yeah, says. Yeah, okay. Yeah, all right. It's one thing if the difference in money was... Was astronomical, but moving forward, it's not really going to be. So no. Okay, and thus concludes the trade segments of this show. So the draft is Thursday. We're going to do a pod afterwards, but we won't be talking again before. So I already had told you that my guy is Mobamba in this draft. I'm so interested by. It. Like I really like Luka Doncic. I think he's going to be a really fun player. I just love the again the herky jerky style, of the shooting. He just he's already playing in big moments and big games for Real Madrid. He seems to be a, a stud in the making, but. Mo Bamba is so interesting to me. Did you see the video of him stroking those threes, did, stepping yeah. into them? Like, I think that he's not going to be, a, obviously, a stretch five, at least right away. There's at least building blocks there for this player. And I just look at him and think, 
I don't see how it's possible. He's not a guy that's going to be able to knock down 12 feet around the basket, finish pick and rolls as a dominant pick and roll finisher, and also defender that he's so long and so quick that I think he'll be able to give you those couple of minutes to guard a point guard. And that around the rim, he's just going to be a havoc creator. Like I think that he could be, I think he could be Rudy Gobert with a better shot with more offense. I really like Mobamba. I think he is the single player who has helped his stock the most in this process. He's really smart, really articulate. Have him doing the interview circuit, smart. Have Drew Hanlon post He's so likable in all the interviews. Every mm-hmm. interview I watch, I'm like, I can't watch any more of this. I don't want to live in a world where Mobamba's not on the Toronto Raptors. <laughs> Having Drew Hanlon work with him, you know, showing that he's extending his range, doing private workouts with Kevin Garnett, doing private workouts with Joel Embiid, smart. This is a guy who went to the Sloan Analytics Conference. Yeah. Like, just because he wanted to be up on that side of the game. Super smart. I I, I think he's helped himself a lot. The guy who I think people aren't talking about that I think will have a really good career is Sexton. Really? Yeah, I think Sexton will be really good. See, to me, Sexton is just a De'Aaron Fox, but with less quickness. Like, he's He's pretty quick. Like I think he's he's gonna be a good player, but I I wouldn't again. It's just a, a matter of like I don't want a point guard who can't shoot in today's NBA. And I know he's young and blah blah blah. He can develop him. I just I don't want that right now. I, I need I need a point guard. If I'm going with a young point guard, I want him so to be. So you'd have you'd rather have Trey Young? You'd rather have a point guard who can't defend? Yep 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 yep. Dude, you know who else can't defend? Steph Curry. Well, you know he, who else can't defend? James Harden. Like, if you find a transcendent offensive player, it doesn't matter what you do on defense. Like, you can figure that part out. So Steph Curry is a plus defender. What? Yeah. Don't ask me. Ask Ron Adams. In their scheme, when he's, what he's asked to do, he's a plus defender. Come on, buddy. I know you love Steph, but there's a reason that the Cavs put him into every single action in that series, and that's what every team does is attack yeah. Steph Curry. Yeah, and it didn't work. Okay. Steph Curry is not a plus defender. Uh, he, my point is he's a much better defender. The, 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 the guy had... The, had two and a half steals when he was the MVP. They, yeah, he's he's a much better. Fe- he's, def- he's good at get, forcing turnovers. He's a he's a much good hands. better defender. He's much stronger than Trey Young. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying Trey Young is a better defender than him right now. My point is is just that if you can be a transcendent offensive player, and I'm not saying Trey Young will be that, but I think out of all the guards, he has the best chance to be that. And so I'm I'm much more interested in him. Let's say their shooting ability is equal. Let's just let's just say say that was the case. If you put Steph Curry and a bunch of pick and rolls and, and trying to, to beat him up. Even if you score, that's not going to impact his offense the way it will Trey Young, who may not be able to play for the next 10 days if LeBron James puts him in a bunch of pick and rolls. Yeah. So he's he's literally a, a liability defensively. Um, Trey Young but, made 14 of his 19 uncontested threes last year. The guy can shoot. He's wide open. He's knocking it down. Yeah. I, I'm, what, I'm looking at that guy. Jimmy, how, how many did Jimmy Fredette make? I, I'm not saying Trey Young's not going to be good. I'm saying... At the NBA level, when someone has work ethic and when this is their job and when they have lots of guards who can play defense and and guard out to the perimeter, like there's not a lot of guards that have that offensive potential, but lots of lots of guards who have shot issues end up being a a great shooter. Jason Kidd's in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, but that's the example like everyone goes to and Jason Kidd didn't figure out the shooting until late in his career when he had to involve his game and he was different like Jay Kidd was never a sick shooter when he was at the top of his game and he was in his prime. But he still impacted the game. Anyways, DeLon Wright, 
who was a much worse shooter than Sexton ever was. Mm-hmm. I, my, my point is he's an elite athlete. He's had an NBA coach. Mm-hmm. And the difference between him and Fox is Fox was great. He was on a great team with great players around him. Sexton dragged a team that was not very good to the top of his conference. So that's why I like him. Yeah, I don't hate Sexton. I think that he's a perfectly, perfectly reasonable pick. I just There's so many point guards in the league right now. And there's just so many guys that we've seen come and go that have all the measurables except for shot creation and, and a jump shot. And you're like, yeah, it's just it's like the, the hit rate just isn't enough for me. It's the same reason why... But shot creation at the basket counts. Yeah, it does. It does. You can get to the cup. You can get to the rim. But like then you're looking at him and I'm saying, to me, his biggest career potential-wise for Sexton is yeah becoming like a, a Tyreek. That's who I could see him being at his best. That's why I look at some of these big guys and I'm like, ugh. I don't know if I'm overreacting to it because we've had Jonas Valanciunas and we've seen what a guy like that can do who can get you a 20 and 10 and who's a great rebounder. But it's why I'm a little shy of the the Marvin Bagley types where I'm like, yeah, okay, you got a really good offensive game, maybe even more refined than JV's was at the time, but you're going to hurt me defensively and I don't know where you, how you're going to play crunch time minutes. And it's actually why I have some questions about Aiton. Like, I don't like the whole PR campaign of, oh, well, he was in the wrong position and he didn't try as much in college. It's like, ah, he should have tried more. Like, I don't know if this draft class, if I want to take uh, maybe better Andre or Andre Drummond with a better jump shot uh, at number one. Um, but yeah, it's going to be a fun draft. I think it's going to be an interesting draft. I think that it's going to be full of trades. And and I think that the Raptors, you want to make a prediction, do the Raptors, the last thing before we go, do the Raptors make a move at the NBA draft? Yes. I agree. All right. We'll talk to you guys after. Thanks for listening. This is Free Association on sportsnet.ca. 